everybody. Today is a good day. All right, everybody raise your both hands. Say, today is a good day. You got two hands. You got two hands. I, I don't... <laughs> I don't understand sometimes how people who are missing a hand, how do they do everything, you know? Because I kind of need both of them. Um, It's sometimes not even enough to have two, right? How many of you have two feet? Even if you have sick toes, but you still have two feet. Brother Billy, you'll be amazed what that man can do. He's only got one. But I seen him working at his shop and... I'm just impressed. I don't know what to say. Like, he does more than a lot of people that have healthy two feet, and he lost one of his legs fighting for our country. So we thank you, sir, and we honor you. It's not Veterans Day, but it's okay to give honor where honor is due. Um, But it's a blessing. How many of you should be in jail today? At least my wife is honest. How many of you should be at the hospital? Because you just don't take care of yourself. But There is such a blessing to be able to be in the house of the Lord today. And there is so many people in this world that don't have that opportunity, don't have the privilege. I love it because my kids, we, they, you know, they're five and three-year-old, so you have to teach them days of the week. I thought they already come with that knowledge, but they don't. You have to teach them. And so we, we go and we, we describe every day of the week according to what we have to do. And so when we get to Sunday, they always say, on Sunday, we get to go to church. They don't say we have to go to church. They say we get to go to church because that's when you start. See, the people, the reason why people are lazy when they're growing up and they don't want to go to church, they'd rather sleep in because it's your only day to rest. But guess what? God can speak to you in your sleep. But the reason why church was established is for the brothers and sisters to have fellowship. So it's really important. I remember talking to Joe Rogers one day, and he's like, man, when I don't go to church, I don't, it doesn't feel the same the next week, you know, because I always get something out of the service, the preaching, the worship. So be at church because you get to go to church. There is people in China, North Korea, in a lot of the African countries, Muslim countries, they don't get to go to church. They don't have that option. Church is in them. And church is not a building, by the way. You are the church. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit because he lives in you. But we have this to have fellowship. Yes, we're a little weird, you know. There's people sitting right next to you that if you were in a different setting, we probably wouldn't sit by them. <laughs> like if you were, per se, at the, I don't know, the movie theaters, you know, people are picky who they sit by. You know, we got little cliques over here by the family, and over there, this is my spot. If somebody sits in there, we get offended, we try to kick them out. It's like, sir, excuse me, can I get my seat? We're like, there's all these empty seats. Um, but speaking of seeds, I uh, had to fly 2,400 miles to get here today. Um, as I started yesterday, I left my mom's house at 3.30 in the morning, and I got to DFW last night um, at 8-something p.m., 
And so when I got to the airport in Miami, they said, there's no flight to get back to DFW. So I had to go to another airport and then catch a flight there. Well, I caught a flight. I bought the ticket online. But when I got to the counter, they're like, we don't have a seat for you. I was like, why did you sell me a ticket for? I don't know. Somebody made a mistake. I was like, fix it. I got to get home. I have to preach at church tomorrow. And so the man was like, I can't work miracles. I was like, I know somebody that can. So um, there was a group coming from Antigua Bay, Jamaica, and they flew into Fort Lauderdale, and they had a connection to make, but immigration took too long. So 10 seats open five minutes before the flight had to leave. And so I got, a, I got a seat, so I'm glad. You got a seat today. There's empty seats that needs to be filled. We need to overbook the church. Did you all know we have some stack of chairs over there? You know, there is nobody trying to, so hard to get in there because we're not inviting people. I tell the kids, you know, I'm giving away an iPhone in December for the kids and youth group. And some people call it bribe. Some people call it whatever. It is a bribe. But um, I want to see kids at church. I want to see their lives being affected because in our lives, y'all, we have so many influence. And when you're little, the devil tried to mess you up because it's harder to fix you once you're older. See, when you're little, you can love a kid, you can educate them, you can pour into their lives, and that's going to change their future. That's what parents, our job is so, so important. So important. And it's, it's a call from God. If you went ahead and had a kid, raise them well. Raise them in the ways of God. Like you have no choice. Because guess what? That's going to be a generational thing. Whatever you do with those kids is going to change their futures, their kids' futures, their kids. And you're, all of a sudden, where were we at in this nation, right? Because of generational stuff that happened. So your job is so important. And that's what I want to talk to y'all today. Um, we're going to talk about the fear of man, the fear of God. And I'm going to try to get it together since uh, I've been running in four hours of sleep on the past 72 hours. But we're going to make it. We're going to make it through. So if I don't fall asleep, you don't fall asleep. I'm going to get uh, brother the ushers in the back, get a, the water guns that I provide for you earlier and just shoot people. It's okay to shoot people in church with water. I'm just kidding. Maybe not. Um, but let's pray. Can you all pray with me? Say, Jesus, open my eyes so I can see what you have for me. Open my heart so you can live in it forever. Open my mind so I can know you better. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So um, as we are born, you know, there's things that don't come with a package. You know, you, go, you buy stuff from Ikea. It's a terrible place. Everything looks good in the pictures. But then um, there's these packages. And it, it says something like, assemble is needed. <laughs> and uh, if you're a man like me, you throw away that paper. And you just like... Tried to figure it out together. You have like 10 parts, um, you know, leftovers at the end. I remember we bought a, a little car for Juliet and uh, for, was it Christmas or her birthday? 
And so all the family were there. And so that we opened the box and I started putting it together. And I think it was, and Debbie said, you're not going to read the instructions? I don't need no instructions. So I started putting it together. And of course, I put the wheels on wrong because I didn't read the instructions. But it, it runs. So I'm like, we're good. Um, so assemble is needed. So we're, we're, we come out of mama's womb and we're in this world. And uh, from the moment that we were, like, before we even can see, God knew about us. He knew us, and he had a plan and a purpose for us. And that seems pretty early, but that's our God. He, he's God. He's minding the game. He knows what's up. That's why we have to trust him. We don't know anything. You know, there's wise people in this world. There's smart people in this world. Even Solomon, who was considered one of the wisest men alive, he knew that he had nothing on God. Because God is the creator of everything. He knows the beginning and the end. He knows what's in the middle. So he's got you. So I don't know why in the world we should not trust him. So we are born in this world and all these influences around us. And they tell us different things about who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do. And a lot of times we follow those instructions. And sometimes those instructions are wrong. I remember I was in fifth grade. And uh, I, we live in a city called Rivas. It was the city of the mangoes. There's mango trees everywhere. You find them on the ground, and they go bad. Mango is my favorite fruit. And so Chrissy doesn't like it because it's the consistency or something. It's so good. You put salt on it. Awesome. And so we live in this town called Rivas. And, uh, and so my fifth grade teacher, I used to think that she was a witch. She was really bad. And um, she had, like, really bad moods, and um, she used to pick us up from the sideburns, like, if we did something bad. And then she'll ask us to put our hands on the desk and hit us with these giant rollers. It was about two and a half inch wide and probably a quarter inch thick. And she'll ask us to put our hands on the desk and, bam, beat us so bad. And so, and we couldn't cry. And then um, I remember one time, which this is awful. She had, she was really creative with punishment. So she brought a pound of beans, dry beans, those black beans, put it on the ground and made us kneel on those beans for quite a bit. And some kids were like, I can't do it anymore. So, um, I mean, she was awful. She was just awful. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, so... I wonder at times, you know, what what did we do wrong to get this teacher? Because sometimes we'll get punished even when we didn't do anything. Which when you're a kid, you never do anything wrong, right? At least you think. But we probably were terrible, but she was worse than we were. And so she'll punish us so bad, and then she'll tell us very often, you're dumb. You're dumb. And for the longest time, y'all, I really believed that. I was probably dumb a little bit, but not as much as she made me believe. Like, it got in my head. It got in my heart. And I really thought that I was dumb. And so I I didn't want to go to school. I mean, I liked school. I liked to go to the place. But I hated learning. I I didn't like anything we did there because I was dumb. Like, I really believed what she said. So... In this world, you know, there's people that have opinions, right? So in life, you are born, 
and then you have experiences. That's the daily activities, the daily things that you go through from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. You got experiences. And those experiences form a way of thinking. And that way of thinking shapes the way you act. And so there is a difference between opinions and convictions. See, a conviction comes from a proven principle, an established truth. You discover truth. You don't make it up. You don't create it. That's an opinion. You create an opinion according to your experiences. But a conviction is made out of truth. And so we get those two very mixed up and confused. And we live in a society... I love this country, especially I love Texas. I flew into Florida yesterday. We went out to eat lunch with Jacob, a good friend of mine. He's the reason, I think, well, God is why I'm here today. He invited me to, to Youth with a Mission to do a DTS. We grew up together, and, um, you know, that changed my life in the direction of my destiny forever. And so I'm grateful to that friendship. His parents were the Y1 directors in Nicaragua. So we got to, he picked me up from one airport, took me to the other, and we had lunch there. But, you know, Florida, it looks nice, but it's not Texas. So I just left that place as soon as I could. That's why I wanted my seat. Um, and so, anyways, what was I telling you? Convictions versus opinions. So we, we create, and, and there's, you know, we live in a country that is, is wonderful. There's a lot of freedom. Like, we understand that we're valuable as individuals. We are taught there from the very beginning. But all of a sudden, you know, we think that all these opinions, that all these experiences that we have gone through have given us the right to proclaim it as truth. And we have found ourselves as a church just proclaiming opinions in the way we preach the gospel. We have forgotten that there is the word of God, that that is our foundation, that is our standard for everything. And all of a sudden, you get the people at church, they're the poorest people out there. They complain the most. They don't work as hard. I remember when being a Christian worker was a really good thing. Like, people were respected. You got business from being a Christian-owned company, right? Especially in Texas. Now, you get out of Texas, they, they won't hire you for that. But here lately, the word Christianity has become just a marketing tool, a marketing way of getting business in the place that we live at. And I didn't know this until I started to work in the business world myself. Because to me, when you say, I'm going to hire a Christian person, there's a lot that is implied in that word. There's a lot that is implied in action, not just in word. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot this to you. It's a little long, but I, catch what you can. So Christianity is the power of the gospel working in the life of the individual. Okay, I'm going to say it a couple more times so maybe you catch some of it. Christianity is the power of the gospel working in the life of the individual. So when you say, oh, this 
is a Christian worker. This is a Christian uh, business owner. So there's a lot of weight that that carries. Now, there is no such thing as a Christian thief. Come on, somebody say amen. There's no such thing as a Christian liar. Say amen. Come on. You're like, wait, what? I just lied the other day. There's no such thing as a Christian cheater. There is no such thing as a a lazy Christian. Hold up. (laughs) You're going too far there, right? Because before, we lived by the law, and there were all these laws. There were ten laws. That was easy. But then we lived by grace. See, it's no longer about the external and the actions. It's about what's in your heart. It got harder, even so you think that it got easier. See, before you didn't steal, you didn't cheat, you didn't covet, you didn't kill people, and you were good. But now, if you look at a woman with loss, and you thought about the woman in your heart and your mind, you have committed adultery. Shoot, that got intense. Before, it said you shall not steal But now it says, do not want to take other people's stuff. Before it says, you shall not kill. But now, do not hate in your heart. You know, all that anger and all that dislike for people and all that criticism. You know, all those words that we use against people. That's a sin. There is power in your words. So we are born and we are raised and we're exposed to opinions and things that people say about us. And those things shape us in a positive or negative way. So I remember I got to thinking about that teacher as I was, you know, working in this message on my way here. And I was like, man, that really messed me up for a minute. And so I have to rewire everything. Pastor Marcelo was thinking about you when I thought about that word, rewire you. Take everything out. And I couldn't use any of the same wires because when you are under the gospel and the power of Christ, you got to redo everything. And that takes a lot of time. That's why we're not perfect yet. Amen? I mean, unless there's somebody here that I don't know about, but so far, I don't see it. Sorry. So anyway, so we got opinions and things about who we are and people tell us what they think. You know, oh, you know what, those Democrats, they're just from the devil. They're going to hell because they don't think like us Republicans. Oh, you got quiet now, right? Because you got offended. Oh, you know, those, those people, the, they're Baptists. They just, they're too quiet. They're weird. They don't worship right. We're Pentecostal. We're going to dance and shout. And, yeah! So we're going to heaven, and Jesus, we're going to have a party. What if you got to heaven and everybody's just like, oh, you're like, oh, dang it. <laughs> um, so we freaked out with what's different to us. And we are raised under this control 
of the opinion of others. Because everybody wants to voice their opinions. My wife, she, she uses my Facebook because if she had her own Facebook, she probably had like two friends on it. Because they're so, so, I mean, these people are not here. They're long gone, so I'm going to talk about it. Oh, but we got cameras. Um, you know, there is, there is families that they, they got in over fights and disperse and destroy over an opinion. There are churches that had split up. Because of an opinion. The fear of man will make you afraid of everything else. The fear of God is going to get rid of any other fear that you'll ever have. That's good. I don't know if you got it, but that was good. I got like, woof. The fear of men will make you afraid of everything else. If you're afraid of what people think about you, if you're afraid of pleasing this and that and this and that, shoot, you're going to leave scared of everything because, oh, if I do this, then my neighbor's going to think this. Oh, if I don't do this, then my parents are going to, you know, disown me. Oh, if I don't do this, then my pastor is going to get mad at me. Oh, if I don't do this, then this and that. So your life is it's, it's leave out of fear to please everybody around. And how many of y'all have experienced that you can't please everybody? I mean, unless you're a pot of gold, you ain't doing it. And you can try it as hard as you can. It's not going to happen. So what do we do? We live under the fear of God. And we have to understand that there is such freedom. There is such contentment. There is there's just, you know, people might call it happiness, but that's not what it is. It's the joy of the Lord. Now I'm going to mention this story really quick. And it's about a man. He was a king. And, um, but before we do that, let's go to Galatians. No, let's, let's do this story first, and then we'll go to Galatians. Where are you at? So John the Baptist, we know about John, right? Um, he w- was baptizing people, preparing the way of the Lord for the Messiah. He was like, I'm baptizing them with the Father. Awesome man of God. He, his favorite thing to do was tell people to Repent! 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 The Lord is coming. But it was during the time that King Herod was ruling. And so this dude had divorced his wife and had married his niece. Okay? Who was married to his brother, Philip. Weird stuff happened then. So that was his niece. And he married her because she was pretty. But she was married to his brother, Philip. If you all don't think that that's weird, we got to pray for you at the end. (laughs) Now, Philip, he wasn't dead. He was still alive. They got together for Christmas. Wait, they didn't have Christmas yet. Well, yeah, they did. (laughs) They got together for Thanksgiving. They didn't have Thanksgiving. 
they had the, uh, the party of the tabernacle or the feast. So, <laughs> Herod's marriage to Herodias was a violation of God's law. So, John rebuked him and said, dude, you're wrong. That's not my opinion. That's the word of God. You shouldn't do this. And so, Herodias seemed, he was angry towards John the Baptist because he dared to speak out and to appease his wife. Herod had the prophet thrown into prison. As a powerful Roman ruler, Herod could have John the Baptist executed. But he respected John as righteous man who spoke the truth, know his opinion, and decided not to put him to death. Herod was intrigued by John and liked to hear him speak. In contrast, Herodias loathed John and wanted him dead. Ultimately, Herodias' hate-filled grudge against John the Baptist was the reason he was beheaded. States in Mark 6, 19. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. The idea of the original Greek language is that Herodias actively saw John's dead. Biding her time, Herodias waited for a chance to act. Seizing the opportunity, during Herod, he invited all his friends. Let's have a party because he was a man that wanted to please everybody around him. Let's have a party. Let's make it the best we can. We've got the best shows. I mean, I'm the king. We got money. You know, I want my friends to be impressed of what I got. And while this was happening, here dies, you know, the niece started dancing. According to what I read, she was around 15 years old. Even weirder. This story is just creepy. So she was dancing, and Herod spoke up, and he wanted to impress his kids. See, that's the problem, y'all. Shoot, when you live under the opinion of people, you do really dumb stuff. Because we, we want to show off. We want to tell people what we're capable of. Oh, I want to show them what, what, what I'm about. And I'm going to throw numbers and figures and things. It's just dumb. It's the pride of men. That's going to be your fault. The opinions. I'm, they, they're going to think better of me. So he, he was like, hey, baby. I'll give you half of the kingdom, whatever you want. And she said, I want John's head. Cut John's head, put it on a platter, gave it to her, his birthday party. Prophet of God. Because somebody was too worried about the opinion that other had about them. I'm telling you. It'll kill you or it will kill somebody else. Get rid of the fear of men. Live under the fear of God. Live in holiness. Read the word of God and let that be your standard. Because people's standards change all the time. I'm telling you. Even your spouses. You know, one day they want you to do laundry. And then the next day you do it wrong. So don't touch it. I did laundry last week and I gave my son a rush because I put too much detergent on it. <laughs> I was doing a good thing, y'all, but I almost killed myself. No, just the rash. Okay. Let's go to Galatians. You guys know about Paul? Paul is awesome. He pretty much wrote like almost the whole New Testament. So Galatians 1 verse 10 says, now, hey, listen up, y'all. I told you, I, I'm, I'm running in four hours of sleep, and I see some of y'all, you're already like, 
Where's the water guns? Do you think I speak this strongly in order to manipulate crowds? This is Paul speaking to the Galatians. So he's basically saying, do you think that what I'm telling you is just for people to hear me out and do what I want them to do? Or carry favor with God or get popular applause? If my goal was popularity, I wouldn't bother being a Christ slave. Know this, I'm no emphatic here, friends. This great message I deliver to you is no mere human optimism. He wasn't just giving them the story. He was speaking the gospel of Christ. He didn't care about people's opinions. Because that changed it. And we're going to see here on this next chapter. But you got to stop giving your opinion. You're like, wait, that's not what I've been taught. My mommy told me that I should speak my mind. Well, why should, what if your mind is whack? It happens, though. It happens because what if your whole life is filled with all these wrong experiences? So your whole idea, your whole opinion is wrong. So every time you speak, you got these great intentions. Oh, you know, I learned that you should beat your wife because they'll do what you want and you have a happy life. Dude, really? I mean, show me that in the Bible. And I, I'm going to tell you that you're wrong because I read the Bible. Read the whole thing a couple times. If you come to me and say, well, the Bible said that, you know, shooting a little cocaine once a month, that's all right. Because he's lived your spirit. I'm like, I don't think so, dude. <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't see that. The Bible also said that, you know, you should keep all your money. Don't give. Don't give. That's not in the Bible. So, what if, just, I, I know you, you guys, you got good opinions. But what if your opinion is wrong? And every time you're speaking it out, you're just planting lies. You're speaking death into somebody. And it's unintentional because you got good intentions. But I can assure you that hell is full of people with good intentions. Shoot, that was good. Not everybody that helps you is your friend. And not everybody that fights you is your enemy. That's probably some Chinese proverb, but it's good. You know, there's people that fight us. My wife fights me every day. She tells me like it is. But she's right all the time. And so I, she loves me. She doesn't hate me. And then there's people doing little favors because they want something in return. Or they're helping you out because they want to steer you towards a direction that they want you to go. I remember my brother, he's 31 years. How old is Jeannie? Parents, how old is Jeannie? 30? So my brother's the same age. 
But when he was 22 years old, he had some friends that were trying to help him. They're like, man, if you start selling drugs, then you're going to make lots of money, bro. We got your back. He's like, what if I get caught? We'll be there for you. We'll be there. Well, the second try, he got caught. He got seven years into a high-security federal prison. He got beat by the guards every day. They mess him up. I mean, there's like 12 people in a little box with a hole in the middle where they poop. Terrible place. I don't wish anybody to ever be there. But you know what happened when he got caught? His friends were gone. Nobody came to see him. Only mama made sure that he came and had food every day because they don't give them food. And if your family don't bring you food, you starve to death. They don't care. But somebody was helping him, right? So not everybody that helps you is your friend. You got to be careful. Got to watch out because provision requires control. I'll give you this because I want this. Young people, you got to be careful. There's people out there that they don't have your highest interests. They want to steer you a certain direction. So where was I? Paul. So Paul, he's writing this. He's like, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not telling you all this, man, because I want, you know, I want you all to give me recognition and do this. And no, no, this is the truth. And I want you to listen. This is the message. This is the gospel. And Paul knew this well. Paul got caught preaching the gospel. He was taken to prison. Act 28. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. So Paul, he was taken on a ship to an island or... What is it, Crips? I don't remember the name of the island. But they were on the boat. The storm came. It destroyed the ship. And while they were, after 14 hours of being... Just swamped by the storm. I don't know if you ever got seasick or if you ever got emotion sickness. But I heard it's terrible. I never had it, thank God. But I can't imagine being seasick and not able to see anything or know where you're going. And the storm was coming and beating that ship. And, and so there were a bunch of prisoners. So the, the guards told the centurion, the guy in charge, hey, why don't we just get rid of these prisoners? That will light out the weight. And the man said, no, that's Paul. He's got the favor of God. He didn't specifically say all that, but the Bible says that centurion spared his life. Again, not everybody that fights you, it's your enemy. God will use ways to bless you, to spare your life, to open ways that it's not what you expect. See, that's why we get so disappointed, because we got the wrong expectations because of the wrong opinions. We think that family will always come through. That's not the case. That's not the way God wants to do it. It's not for you to hate your family or be disappointed at them, because guess what? They're always going to be your family. I think it's a lie. Oh, not everybody that is blood is family. No, that's how it works. <laughs> if somebody has your blood, that's your family. You got that? <laughs> Amen? I'm sorry. You thought wrong. But if you was born from your mother, she's your mother. Even if she's the worst in the world, she's your mother. Sorry. 
No, sorry. That's how it works. Okay, amen? All right, don't get offended yet. It's going to get worse. So they're like on the ship, and they're like the storm is hitting them and shaking them, and they're like, let's get rid of them. They're like, no, man, we, we can't. It's Paul. We can't. So the next thing, they're all worn out. They have no sled like me, and they're like crazy, and they want to kill each other. So the, the guy in charge said, hey, let's eat. Sometimes you just need a sneaker, right? <laughs> Sometimes we get so grumpy and hangry, we start yelling at people and cursing people and doing bad things because we just need some food. We need to take, chill out, take a break, and eat before you say something stupid. Because we really, I'm sorry to say that word in church, but we had stupid opinions. And we're so full of them that we believe it to be truth. And that is a sad place to be. Because if you don't line up with the Bible, I don't care how many books you read. I don't care how many experiences. I don't care how long you've been in church. But you made had it wrong this whole time. And it's time to start all over. You're like, I can't do that. I'm not a kid. No, you kind of. Because you're very ignorant. Kids are ignorant. They got a lot to learn. So now, they had some huevos rancheros, and they're eating lunch or breakfast or whatever, and they kept going. But the storm slammed that thing and destroyed the ship. They were shipwrecked, tired, wet, and they, got all, they used the boards to get to the shore. So that was the first time the Bible records surfing. That's when surfing was invented, y'all. I'm for reals. So they got to the shore, and, and they were worried that the prisoners will escape. Well, they did, because Paul was there. And when they were outside, they built the fire because they were freezing, and they're like shaking. <laughs> and Chrissy was telling me this this morning. So can you imagine? You've been on that ship for so long. You're shipwrecked. You're tired. You're sick. <laughs> and then a snake beats you. At that point, I would have been like, God, why me? And so, that's not what Paul said. So, this is what happened. This is, this is the heart of the message. Are you ready? Say yes if you are. Yes. Come on, it's time to wake up. This, this is the heart of the message. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So, the fear of man and the fear of God. Which one are you going to choose to live under? So, Paul... They're around the fire, and he's picking up someone's stick, and boom, he gets beat. I, I, apparently, it was a very venomous snake. I don't remember what it was, probably a cobra or something like that that will kill you within two hours, or it's instantly, actually, that they were expecting him to fall dead. And the people were like, oh, he had it coming. <laughs> I mean, he's a prisoner. He probably killed somebody. And we love saying that, y'all. It's so sad because it happened in the body of Christ. When someone failed, when someone messed up, we like to say, I told you so. I knew that was going to happen to you because I told you. And we sound so dumb. That's a wrong opinion. You shouldn't do that. The Bible says the way... The world will know that we're his disciples as we lift each other up. We love each other. 
we confront them. If they don't listen to us, then we get the elders and talk to them and pray for them. That's the biblical way. We don't just wish evil on other people. We don't rejoice when somebody hurts. We're the body of Christ. I mean, I don't see y'all whenever you smash your finger going, yeah! Some of y'all say unholy words when that happened. Right? I mean, nobody gets happy. If you get one hair pull, you go, ow! I got gray hair on my beard, and my wife, sometimes she tried to pull it, but she gets like five, five black and one gray. I just go, ow! It hurts. We're the body of Christ. It's the natural reaction. We don't say, oh, I told you so. I knew that will happen. You had it coming. You totally deserve it, and even more. You know, you deserve to be beat by the snake and be eaten by the whale all at the same time. That's what they were so happy that they got rid of Jonas. Oh, we got rid of the bad apple. But in all honesty, at this point, when we think that the bad apple is so bad that we should just kill them off, I think the whole basket is full of bad apples. Shoot, I'm preaching good. It's slow. So he got beat and like, oh, he, we knew he's a criminal. He's going to die. Come on. Die, die, die. And they're like, wait, he's not dying. Oh, he's a God. Oh, God, we praise you. Opinions. They're so shaky. They change so quick because of circumstances. There's so many people in your life that will turn from you at any given time without any warning. And you'll be hurt. Because your opinion is that they should always be there for you. That ain't true. The Bible says that God will never leave you, will never forsake you. The Bible says that in this world... We will have tribulations. We will have trials. It's part of the package. We live in a fallen world. And as the church of God, we are to lift each other up and shut up. It's so hard just to be quiet. It's so hard not to tell somebody, you're stupid. That's just so dumb. Don't do that. What's wrong with you? You know, that's so harmful when you ask somebody what's wrong with them because that's God's image and likeness. And when God created you, he said it is good. So when you tell somebody what's wrong with you, you're arguing what God said it was good. And we're not talking about morality here, just the principle of the thing. God created us and he said, it is good. But we're so eager to share our opinion. We are so eager to just please everybody's opinion. You know, there's people that get married and if you're married now, you're stuck. I'm not telling you you should get divorced. But, you know, your parents tell you, oh, that's a good guy. That's a good girl. And you marry them because your parents told you that they were good, right? But they don't know them. They're just nice. Or they pretend to be nice because they're dating you and they 
on your body or whatever. I don't know why people get married. But I know why I did, but some people, anyways. Um, so all of a sudden, you realize 10 years down the road that you're married to this good person. But they don't follow God. They don't have the same vision as you. And then you start pulling in different ways. Because that didn't matter because they were good when you met them. So this is for single people only. Again, if you're married, you're stuck. Make it work. <laughs> it's easier, though, than starting over. I mean, that's what I see anyways. Know that I have considered ever. Um, but, again, an opinion. And we act upon it because we want to please our parents. We want to please the people around us. Instead of looking at the word and hearing from God. You know, God told me to marry my wife. I prayed like a long time. And it was like 3.30 in the morning when he told me, like he spoke to me, that she was to be my wife. And I asked her daddy for permission to marry her. And he said, are you sure? And I said, yes, sir. I'm sure. Because God spoke to me. So will you, church, go back to the Word and just be quiet? Stop giving your opinion? Even if it sounds good, even if it makes you sound smart, oh, yeah, there should be aliens out there because, you know, all this extraterrestrial life and all this Mars stuff, you know, there's aliens. Dude, if the Bible doesn't say it, there is none. That's just your opinion. Now, you can discuss it with friends and they'll call you crazy, but that's okay. But other than that, don't state opinions as a matter of truth. Because you're going to hurt people. You're going to lead them stray from God, away from God. You're going to send them to hell. And we are the church of God that are supposed to keep people from going to hell. Stop being hateful just because you're hurt. You're going to get hurt. It's part of the package. It's what happens. When you get married, you're going to hurt each other. Why? Because you're so vulnerable to each other. It's a natural thing. Get over it. Don't mop, don't paw, then talk about it. Or let your wife talk about it. I'm good at that. I don't talk that much, but she talks to me. Shoot, you need to repent because there is some really hurtful opinions that you have given to people and you have kept them from God. Oh, no, that's their choice. True, but you played a part on it. And you need to say sorry. Sorry, God. Sorry for just pretending that I own this true, but it's truly an opinion based on my experience. And stop living in fear. Please, it will destroy you. Even if you're old, you're like, I have nothing to lose. Stop it. You can't please everybody. Worry about pleasing God. Do the right thing according to the Bible. Look at the Word. Get on it. 
Read it. Speak it out. Listen to it. If you can't see, there's apps on your phone now. You just play and let the Word of God just get in you. There's so many principles of freedom. There's principles of provision. There's principles of restoration. Because I'm sorry, not even the wisest person's opinion matters when it's the opposite of the Word of God. So church, raise up. Shut up, get up, and read the Word. Be filled with it. I remember, I don't know who said this, but they're like, you have to be so filled of the Holy Spirit that if a mosquito beats you, he will walk away speaking in tongues, filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, we, we need that revival in our church because there is a lot of bad stuff happening. And the only hope for the world is Jesus Christ. Amen? And the only people responsible to proclaim the gospel to the world is you and me. And it's not going to happen when you talk and when you say your opinion or when you send your little meme. It's going to happen when you leave out the word of God. Whew, there's so, it's so powerful, y'all. It's so powerful. I remember... Some of the greatest moments in my life is when I told people about Christ and they gave their lives to Jesus. I remember this young man. I was getting a haircut and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me to tell this guy that God loves him for who he was, not for what he was pretended to be. This was a known homosexual in our town. He was very famous. Everybody knew him. And I was so afraid because I was with my friends. And they, he, they saw me talking to a homosexual. They'll judge me. I was worried about their opinion. I was living under the fear of man. And God gave me an opportunity to save somebody's soul. I got up of that chair. I walked outside. And I was shaking. I was just like, Ugh. I was a homophobic. I walked out there and I told him. Hey, I just want to tell you that God spoke to me to tell you that he loves you for who you are, not for what you're pretending to be. Man, tear up. I pray for him. He gave his life to Jesus. He was at church on Sunday. Now he's married. He has kids. He's serving God. Because I proclaim the word of God, not my opinion. My opinion was that he needed to go to hell for his sin. And I didn't want to share the gospel because I was too good. It was a shame of it. So where are you at today? Are you living under your holy opinion that everybody is wrong about you? Oh, my wife is wrong. I know the truth. She doesn't know. She's a woman. Yikes. You need to read the word of God. Oh, you know, my boss, he's just dumb. He doesn't know. He just makes his work. He also write your checks. Oh, you know, this person, they, they don't know. They don't know me. <laughs> they know what they see. You can judge a person's character by their actions, 
Now, they say not to judge, like not to judge people like morality-wise that you're better off than them. But you can judge actions. Amen? You can see something and know that it's wrong. And how do you know that it's wrong? You read the Bible. It doesn't seem hard to me, but it's hard to do. I'm no better than y'all. I struggle. I have challenges. But I have decided that I'm going to live under the fear of God and not under the fear of man. Because he will destroy me and he will stop me from proclaiming the gospel and for God to use me to change people's lives and bring them into their kingdom. And as the church of God, that's what we need to do. Come on, church! Get up, shut up, and read the word. Live by Can you stand up this morning, please? Just pray with me and say, Jesus, open our eyes so we can see you. Jesus, oh, help me to control my tongue. Take over it. Because nothing I say is good if it doesn't come from you. Church, I'm going to give you a short time here really quick. We're just going to pray specifically for this. If you're struggling with the fact that your whole life is based on a wrong opinion, and you know you need a change in your life, Your whole life is based on a lie. Somebody told you you're dumb. Somebody told you you're stupid. Somebody told you that you're not good enough. And you're just working so hard to prove them wrong, but it's not working out. If you're at a point in your life that you're just, you just exhaust yourself to beat a habit, to beat an addiction. Because you think that you have the strength to do it. And I'm going to do it. Or you don't want to do it. If you're a time in your life that you're taking refuge in things that are not of God. And you say, I need to get back in the world. I want to pray for you. So come to the front. It's okay. We're not going to judge you. Maybe we will a little bit, but you'll get over it. And we'll just pray for you. I want to pray for deliverance. I want to pray that God gives you the strength. That even if it's scary to start over. You know that he's with you. If you got anything from this message, I want you to step up. We'll pray for you. For God to just touch your heart, touch your mind. Sometimes you take a step of faith. And it's scary because it, it, it means change. It means transformation. It means allowing God to just get a hold of you and mess up your world like it is. Now, some of us, we're content with the way things are. We don't want to change it because that means we had to work. But I'm telling you, God is willing. He is able. If you've been living under the fear that you just got to please the people in your life, I want to pray for you. God wants to free you for that. Come on. Don't be afraid. You can stay in your seat. It's fine. And I'll still pray for you. 
But I'm telling you, something happens when you take a step of faith and come to the altar and say, Jesus, I'm not perfect. I need you. I need you to work in my heart. I need you to work in my mind. I need you to just touch me. Because this life that we have here is short. This life that we have on this earth is short. So you should let God work on it. So people around you are touched and are blessed by your obedience, by the word of God in you. Not just by the things that you have to say. So, Father Jesus, I just pray right now for the fear of men. There is people right here in this room that they're scared to step up. Because then people are going to think that they have issues. Guess what? Everybody here has issues. And God wants to address them. God wants to touch that part of your life that nobody else knows about it. God wants to touch that part of your life that is full of fear. And it's full of of lack of of, of acceptance. Because you're so scared of rejection that you rather stay miserable, angry for the rest of your life. So Jesus, I pray for deliverance. I pray for the touch of your Holy Spirit to just destroy those lies in our life. I pray for the truth of God to overwhelm us in such a way that it will take instant work in our hearts and in our mind. And I thank you for obedience, God. I know you're doing the work. I know, Holy Spirit, that you're touching hearts. I know that you're changing minds. I know that you're conquering hearts. And I know that you are God. And there is power in Jesus to transform, restore, save right now. So everybody say, Jesus! We receive your freedom. We choose today to live under the fear of God and not of men. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, God.